Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. invite your attention to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, and um, I want to begin reading there with verse number 5. First Corinthians chapter number 2, and uh, we'll start with verse 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, by, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I want to look back to verse 10, and this is really the core of what I want to talk about here tonight. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And I just want to speak that the Lord will help me for a little bit tonight. Teach upon this subject, deepening your walk with God. Deepening your walk with God. Would you uh, pray with me right now and ask the Lord to help us and uh, lay his hand upon us in this service. We want his will to be done. Jesus, we desire and hunger for the things of the Lord. I pray, God, that you would move in our lives and you would help us. 
as we seek after you, as we yearn for you, as we desire you, I pray, God, that you would reveal things to us in the Spirit. We read tonight that the only way that some things will ever be revealed to us is by your Spirit. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us tonight to seek out and to hunger for the things of God as we've never in our entire lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Give you praise for it. In the name of the Lord, amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. This that I'm teaching tonight, I suppose you could say it came out of a quest of my own, uh, seeking God and seeking the will of God and, and uh, hungering for a deeper relationship with God. As I've mentioned in times past, I've had the Holy Ghost for the greater portion of my life. I've been around the church. I received the call to preach at a very young age. And I began to preach the gospel full-time at a very young age. And uh, so this has been my life. But I'll have to readily admit tonight that I have nowhere near plumbed the depths of God's Spirit. I've nowhere near reached the heights of what I desire to ascend to in God. I haven't tapped out. I haven't reached a point or a place that I feel like I've even touched the ceiling of what God has for us. And that's the wonderful thing about serving the Lord is that there is absolutely no place in God, no matter how long you've lived for Him and how close you've walked with Him, that you reach a place that you've seen and discovered everything about God that there is to Bible tells us that even the best of us, and again referring back to the Apostle Paul who wrote these words, he said, I have not seen, ear not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that he has prepared for us. And uh, so that tells me that there's a whole lot more that God wants to reveal. There's a whole lot more that God wants to show his people, and give to His people. And so I'm hungry for that. I, I don't know about you, but I, I trust that you are, and that's the reason why you're here, is because you truly do seek to know God, and uh, you want to walk with Him and draw closer to Him. We know that the book of James tells us to draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto us. And it tells us to cleanse our hands and purify our hearts in that same verse. And uh, I've looked and I've read various commentaries and studied that passage. And I know it seems maybe simplistic on the surface. What did the writer really mean? What was God trying to say through the writer when he said, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I begin to think that perhaps what the Lord was trying to convey through that passage, because we know that all Scripture is inspired of God. And so what maybe He was trying to convey is our hands is where our actions are. And uh, that's what we set ourselves to do. We work with our hands. We involve uh, what, we, what we are is really 
uh, done with our hands. And you can see what is really in our hearts by what is carried out with what we do in our hands or with our hands and the work that we do and, and perhaps what we don't do in some cases. And so he's saying, cleanse your hands. Uh, I want everything that I do to be in the will of God. I want everything that I partake of and involve myself with. If I'm going to spend the energy to involve myself with it, then I certainly want, I want to have uh, purified hands. I want the things that I'm involved with to be blessed of God. I don't want to, uh, hours too late for us to spend any energy on things that don't matter. Every move that we make, everything that we do, you know, in ball games, and, and I know this is probably a poor analogy, but in ball games, they, they, they say this, that a coach that is good knows how to manage the clock. I'm going to tell you apostolics in this last hour better learn how to manage the clock. Amen. We better learn how to make every move count because if you haven't understood it yet, you need to get uh, an understanding tonight that we are living, I believe, right on the cusp of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's time to prepare and it's time to do our work for Him. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But then he takes it a step further back than that, not just the outward expression of what you're doing with your hands, but uh, uh, purify your hearts because in your heart is where every intention starts. Every work begins. Everything that we set out to do, it begins with what is in our heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So you cannot separate the work of your hands from what's in your heart. So he takes it a step further back, as Paul often does in his teaching. He, he starts out on the surface, and then he digs down a little deeper and said, let's get to the core of the matter. It's a heart matter. It's what's in your heart. That's where we need to start with this. This is what we need to talk about, is what is in your heart. If you've got a pure heart, then the chances are you'll have clean hands. Praise the Lord. Anybody believe that tonight? Praise God. So I want my heart to be right with God. It's my desire to see the works of the Lord. I want to see God do what He desires to do. I want to reach the full potential that God has for us and has purpose for us in these last days. When I read about the book of Acts, which is what we should use as the template, if we're going to compare ourselves to anything, we shouldn't compare ourselves to a church somewhere in the region or across the state, or another church in the apostolic movement during this particular time. But we ought to compare ourselves with the book of Acts church because that was the first century church. That is the template. That is the example church that we should be measuring ourselves by. And when I read about the miracles and I read about uh, the outpourings of the Holy Ghost and I read about the revival that they experienced that literally turned... Uh, their world upside down. That wasn't them saying that about themselves. That was the world saying it about them. That they have come that have turned the world upside down. These people are making waves. These people are, we, we got to take notice of this. These, these folks are, are folks to be reckoned with. Amen. They've got something about them that is special. There's an anointing and a depth that they walk in. And uh, 
the reason why I believe that they were able to see the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the prayers answered, the outpourings of the Holy Ghost and the revival at the level that they were is because they lived it. They breathed it. It was their passion. It was the life. Uh, it was everything to them on a day-to-day -day basis. And when we give ourselves to God, and we really hunger for the things of God. We too can see the works of God in our lives. Hallelujah. I don't believe it's just relegated to them back there. Or just a few people along the way that we look back to. And we say well I remember the days of, of Brother Verbal Bean. And I remember uh, other folks along the way that God used. I'm going to tell you God's got people in this generation that he wants to raise up. I believe he wants to use people right here in this congregation to pray prayers that, that bring healing. He wants to use people in this congregation to pray prayers that would, that would shake the foundations of this city. He, he wants to use you to, to minister and to evangelize and to help folks and to minister to people. I believe that is the will of God for us right here in Texarkana today. Today. Somebody say today God wants to do it. I don't believe we ought to just relegate it back to somebody else or just give up and say, well, you know, the best days are possibly over with. I, I don't believe that at all. You didn't start out living for God with that kind of attitude. You got the Holy Ghost. There was a passion. There was a drive. There was a, there was a burden on the inside. There was a hunger to do something for God. You didn't care what you had to give up. You didn't care what, what you had to lay aside just to keep that that you have experienced and to, to keep it fresh this was what mattered most to you and you wanted to tell everybody you wanted to share it with everyone you wanted and felt like everybody ought to experience what you had experienced and I don't know if it's the storms of life the trials of life the difficulties of life the challenges that we all have to face and we all have to go through I don't know if it's those things but somewhere along the way we let our dream die we're kind of like Nebuchadnezzar who experienced a powerful, powerful dream in the book of Daniel. And yet the next morning, though he knew that it was significant and he knew that there was depth to it and he knew there was something that God was trying to convey to him or something special about it, yet he could not remember it. He let it slip through his fingers. What a tragedy it is to have a visitation from God and God to stir us up in some area and before we see that dream fulfilled that God has placed in our heart for us to fall out by the way somewhere and lose heart and become discouraged before we can ever reach into the depths of what God really has for us. When God is saying, if you just pressed on a little bit further with determination, I was going to give you some great things. I was going to work in your life in some magnificent ways. I, I don't want to give up too soon. And let me just say in addendum to that, that it's always too soon to quit. I said it's always too soon to quit. The Bible said to pray without ceasing. Amen. What does that mean? That means when I set my heart to something and God puts a burden on me to pray about something, just because it was not answered immediately, it does not mean that God's not going to answer that prayer. i got to pray and I can't cease praying about it. i got to come back to the altar and pray again about that situation and know that God hears me every time I come and pray and seek His face concerning it. Amen. Do you believe that?
You believe that God in heaven hears us when we pray and pray in faith and according to His Word and we ask with the right, with the right spirit and we're not asking amiss. We're not just coming with a list and a, and a desire of our heart, but we're coming, we're coming with real, true uh, desire for God to work and to have His way and to move in situations. And when we come with that kind of spirit and attitude, God, if we don't cease praying, is going to answer that prayer. I believe that. But we give up on our dreams. Some of you probably uh, read this week or saw it on your mobile phones. This is where I saw it. Uh, a picture of uh, this boat that was found out in the Indian Ocean off the coast of, uh, I believe it was off the coast of Australia. And um, turns out that this was the boat of a young lady by the name of Abby Sutherland. And uh, I believe I have that right, Sutherland. And she was 16 years old. I can't imagine allowing a 16-year-old daughter of mine to do this, but nevertheless, um, she lived in California. Her brother, at 18 years old, was the youngest, I believe, at that time to have by sea circumvented the globe. And it was her desire to circumvent the globe and be the youngest and do it without stopping, go all the way around. And uh, so she started from uh, Marina del Rey, California, I believe, and sailed. And uh, she did have to stop in uh, Mexico. But uh, then she was going to start fresh from there. And she made it all the way around. Uh, came down through Cape Horn, uh, underneath Africa there. And as you know, if you've read anything about this, you know that those are very treacherous seas. And um, anyway, uh, her mask of her boat, the sailboat that she was on, uh, was torn off. And uh, the gales and sea were so uh, horrendous that it capsized her boat. And she had a device, electronic device, that would pinpoint where she was at. And she was rescued two days later. And she had to abandon that boat. And now, eight and a half years later, they found it off the coast there of Australia. And they, I, I just became curious. I thought, what in the world is this young lady doing now with her life? If she had these kind of lofty dreams at, at 16, surely, you know, uh, she may still, she may not have sailed around the globe, but certainly she has to be doing something. And uh, I started looking, and I couldn't really find a lot of things about it other than that she had settled into basically a life of normalcy in Alabama. And she was just living there. And uh, she was not sailing uh, any longer, uh, definitely not uh, to the degree that she was. And she had basically given up her hopes. And all I could think about when I was thinking of this young lady and I read this article is that people sometimes have a dream of being used of God. And I'm going to tell you that's a good thing. 
and uh, being anointed and accomplishing something in the kingdom of God. And yet, when storms come and unexpected winds blow and uh, the thing gets a little rocky, uh, if we're not careful, we'll abandon those dreams. And she, she made this statement that when they found this boat and the news came to her that they had found the boat and she saw the picture of it, she said it, and I'm paraphrasing, that like an old feeling rose up within her. You know, I'm hoping some way here tonight that I can, through the Word of God, stir something up in the hearts of people that perhaps have abandoned their desires, have abandoned their hunger and their, their longing for the deep, of thing, the deep things of God. And they've been pacified with a life of mediocrity and just getting along and just surviving. I, I, I've never been a maintenance man. You know what? This is how I pray. Is God, when you get through with me, when you get through with what I can contribute to your work and your kingdom, then I don't want to just be existing. I don't want to just be just sucking up air and just making it from day to day. But God, just go ahead and take me home because I want to be a contributor to the work of God. I've got to stay challenged. I've got to stay forward thinking. I've got to keep pressing on. Because there's something within me that says there's much more to be done for God. And there's much more to experience in God. And there's greater things that God wants to do through all of our lives. So if you've abandoned your dreams and you've abandoned your desire for the the deep of God, can I stir something up in you in the Holy Ghost and tell you not to accept defeat and not to accept that this is just the way it has to be and not to accept that I'll never be able to break loose and, and get out of the traces that I've been in for so long. But God, help me today, amen, to feel that old feeling rise up in me again that says I can be a prayer warrior. I can be an intercessor. I can be, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I can be used to do great things for God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Somebody ought to reach towards the heavens right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. The secondary can be so seductive in our lives. Second place, being just a little less than what we really could be. People choose security over anointing, they choose the familiar over the unknown. They give in to fears. They wince at the price of revival. But you've heard me say it many times. The price of revival is cheap compared to the price of not having revival. Not having revival is far more expensive than having a revival. When you consider the carnage, when you consider souls being lost, when you consider uh, people missing heaven, when you consider people falling by the wayside, when you consider folks backsliding because there's no spirit of revival and renewal in the church. I'm going to tell you the cost of revival uh, as far as the upfront cost uh, is far less than the cost of not having a revival. Amen. Whatever fasting, whatever prayer, whatever sacrifice has to be made, whatever we have to give monetarily and otherwise, it's worth it to have revival, folks. 
Amen. And there's not really a simple formula. You know, when I announced this title, probably some of you said, well, uh, maybe he can help me to understand how much I need to pray or how much I need to fast and what, how many days and how, you know, give me some examples. Give me a, give me a formula. Give me a, a plan here. You know, I plug this in here and I do this right here and I add this to it, then I'm going to end up with this answer. Well, you know what I've discovered in, in, in my relationship with God and also in, in watching and observing others is that I've got to be obedient to God and what He's asking me to do. Of course, prayer is something that we ought to be doing and practicing on a daily basis. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you, well, I wouldn't sit here anyway. I'd stand here and tell you. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that there is a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, I used to say, I'm going to pray until I touch God. But I think sometimes we sell ourselves short when we just do that. Because when you're just making the connection, it's like getting somebody on the line and hanging up. It's like finally connecting with someone and saying, oh, I didn't, uh, you know, there's no use of me staying on the line. I just want to see if I could get a hold of you. Just wanted to see if you was available. And that's the way some of our prayer lives are. We, we ring up heaven, and when he answers or when we start feeling his presence, in other words, then we say, well, you know, I just wanted to see if I could feel you, if you was near enough that, that I hadn't lost my relationship with you. If that's your relationship with God, you just want to get a, get a, a, a little check on, on being able to say that, that uh, I can still feel him and I must be all right and I'm just getting a little confirmation that I'm okay, then that's not much of a relationship with God. A relationship with God is... Something you walk in. Amen. And obviously you cannot pray every hour of the day. But to walk with God is to have a God consciousness about you. Amen. That you're, you, can, you can feel when, when this, is, this, is, this is God that is, that is nudging me to talk to this particular person. You you can feel when God's burdening your heart to pray about a certain need and, and you can dismiss yourself and do that. Whatever the situation, it's, it's, it's walking in a God consciousness, an awareness that God is there. Uh, and, and He is. I know that He's omnipresent, but there's something about a, a person that is cognizant of Him being there and aware and sensitive to His Spirit. All of us have seen folks that uh, seem like they were oblivious to their surroundings. And maybe there was even danger. Matter of fact, today I was uh, out here on State Line and there was a gentleman, I don't know what he was influenced by, but he was walking through the traffic back and forth. And, uh, and, and a couple of times cars came within just a little ways of, of hitting him, and uh, I don't know if he was under the influence of something or just, uh, you know, some, some challenges, health challenges there. I don't know what it was, but I've become very concerned. Uh, my heart had compassion for him because I thought, man, he's going, to, he's going to hurt himself, and then somebody else may have to live with the, with the pain of having hurt somebody like that. 
and, and didn't mean to and had that on their conscience for the rest of their life. And, and it was just because he was oblivious to his surroundings, unaware of what was going on. You've seen people that were distracted by something else and were walking headlong into danger. And we know of people that was just because they haven't been trained properly, uh, they are unaware of the dangers of something, and therefore they, 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 they don't take the precautions that they're supposed to. And, and, and things happen, accidents occur, things take place. And so what are you saying? I'm saying when, when we're walking with God, we're walking with an awareness, uh, amen, that at any time God could, could call on me to do something or God could speak to me about something and, and I'm never too far away from Him. Of course, to get to that place of awareness, you've got to spend time solidarity with Him and you've got to spend time focused in prayer, undistracted, and, and really get a hold of God in prayer and able to get to that place. But I can't tell you what the set time is. And everybody's different. And some days it may take longer than others. And you have to be willing to be sensitive to Him and allow Him to lead you in prayer. Because as Paul said in his writings, we don't always know what we ought to pray about. But the Spirit does, and it can make intercession through us. And if we're yielded to the Spirit of God, it can give us what we need and impart to us what we need, amen, to make it through that day and to face the situation that we're needing to face. Because God obviously knows the future. I don't. But if I walk with Him, I don't have to fall prey to the tactics of the enemy. A lot of things could be curtailed in your life if you would walk with God. A lot of tragedies would never occur in your life if you learn how to walk with God. And this is why I'm compelling you tonight to deepen your walk with God. Because in the hour that we're living in, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to seem right that are not right. And to the person that is not cognizant and the person that's not really aware, they're going to be deceived. And I want this to be indelibly imprinted in your heart and mind because we are living in that day. And the Bible already foretold this. It already shared this. It already revealed to this. He said there's going to be many and they're going to come and they're going to do great exploits in my name. And when it's all said and done, when I look upon them and they explain all the things that they supposedly did for me, I'm going to say depart from me. I never knew you. You worked in iniquity. I'm not even aware of who you are. I don't know you. But at the same time, as I quoted on Sunday, there's, there's folks uh, that are going to know their God and be strong and do great exploits. Amen. And we have to be able to discern between those that are not right or are false and those that that are for real and those that are genuine. Amen. Unless we be led away in some false doctrine or false thing or, or you know, think that, that uh, uh, because uh, uh, they, they've got the right look or charisma or whatever, that, that, uh, that they, they, they've got an anointing. You cannot go by just what you uh, hear or see. You've got to go by the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying and what it aligns to this book. Amen. No matter what, no matter what I'm feeling, 
if it doesn't align to this book, it's not right. Because it's not going to be contra- it's not going to be contrary to this book. It's not going to be contradicted. Amen. God doesn't doesn't change things uh, just because of the time and just because of the age that we're living. It stays the same, folks. Uh, there's the same plumb line. There's the same design as there's always been, and we can see and experience uh, the the things that this book talks about if we stick with that plan. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. And so I don't want to be seduced into thinking that something is right that is not right. And there's not a simple formula, as I've said. Hebrews uh, tells us that who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern. By reason, you know, I was talking to a gentleman about a hunting dog one time. And he told me, he said, well, this dog in the past has been very good and very well trained. And and matter of fact, when when it's operating and being used like it needs to be, there's none better. But I'm telling you, he said, it hasn't been out in the field in a long time. And he said, there's going to have to be some kinks worked out. Those of you, Brother Lorman is a horseman. And uh, he, he knows about horses, been raised around horses, raised horses himself, knows about horses. He knows that if you just put a horse in a field, in a fence field, and just let it, it may have had the best training in the past, but there, there's going to be some kinks to work out if, if you don't get out there and ride it and put it to use and work it. And that's what the Hebrew writer was saying. you got to get out in this. You can't be sporadic with it. Let that sink in. You've got to be consistent with it. Amen. And that's where a lot of people get in trouble is they step into it and they feel it and they experience They dance around it. They like it real good. But yet, uh, kind of like a kid playing in the rain, sooner or later they come back in, dry off, and they don't want to do that anymore. They found something else to do. And, and, and because of that, they find themselves in a place, in a position where they're, they're teetering back and forth And the only way you can continue to stay sensitive and consistently be used in the deep things of God is to continually stay in a place and let your senses be used and stay sensitive through prayer, through fasting, and and, and through being in the presence of God. There is absolutely no substitute for being in the presence of the Lord. And what I mean by that is together, together with God's people and worship God and be in His presence. Do uh, you saying you can't get in the presence of the Lord in prayer and, and by yourself? Of course I'm not saying that. Uh, of course you can get in the presence of the Lord by yourself. But there is something about coming with, uh, into the place where people are worshiping as the body of Christ gathering together, hearing the Word of God preached. Uh, amen. There's something about it. It helps us. Uh, amen. Iron sharpeneth iron, the Scripture says. And we come and, and it's by reason of use that we're able to discern and we're able to be sensitive and we get ourselves in this atmosphere and God works on us and helps us to stay sensitive to him it's important and you've got to just wade out into it praise the Lord you've got to stay connected and so I begin to look at a few things and I'm, I'm going to probably continue on this theme for a little while so I'm not 
at any one place looking to close this. Just when I feel um, directed of the Holy Ghost, we'll just let it go and we'll pick up later where we began tonight. But first thing, I'm, I'm going to talk about a few keys here. The first thing to deepen your walk with God, you've got to understand the need for sacrifice. You read that book of Acts through and through, you'll find that there was no revival without sacrifice. To think about trying to have revival without sacrifice is, I'm going to tell you, that's a pseudo-revival. People that are claiming to have revival with no sacrifice involved, that's not real. That's not biblical. Amen. It's awful quiet in here, but that's the truth of God's Word. It's always required sacrifice. Denial of the flesh. It's always required commitment and consecration unto God. Revival doesn't come any other way. When young Solomon was ascending to the throne of his father David, David, and I may just conclude right here, David told him, he said, I want you to walk in the commands of the Lord. And again, I'm paraphrasing here. You can read it right there in the first First of Kings, first Kings, first few chapters there. He said, I want you to, I want you to walk in the commandments of the Lord and his statutes. I, I want you to do thus and so. I don't want you to stray off from this. Uh, this is what you're going to have to do to please the Lord. The Lord's going to be with you. And he laid the law down, all the things you got to do, and all the things that that you need to do according uh, to the commands of God, the word of God. And this is how you need to do it. And this is what you're expected to do. But this is not sacrifice necessarily. This is just the reasonable service. This is just, this is just entry-level stuff. If you're going to be able to have any kind of authority and walk uh, in any way with God and, and have any kind of anointing, these are just the basic things that you've got to understand. You know what I get sick of? I get sick of folks that talk about how much they sacrifice to live for God. How much I gave up to live. You know how much I gave up to get in this church? I gave up three packs a day. I was destroying my lungs with cigarettes. I had to give that up. I had to give up my drug habit. I had to give up drinking booze. Wild parties. I had to give up so much. Hey, when you think about what you received in comparison to whatever you had to lay on the altar, what's wrong with you? If you think you gave up anything to live for God, what's wrong with you? This joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. Amen. This that I have an experience uh, and this that I walk in, this world doesn't know anything about. Uh, it can't even compare to it. I didn't give up anything. I got to live for God. I, I received an opportunity to be in this church and to live for the Lord. Oh, if you feel that way, why don't you raise your hands? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Let's stand to our feet right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. It's a privilege that I have. He gave him those commands and those statutes and those judgments to follow. He said, these are just the basic things. And at that particular time, and at that tender age, Solomon said, I understand that's what's required. But I also know that I want more than that. I need the help of God. There's nobody that understands my inabilities, weaknesses, how fragile I am like I do. And so he went up to Gibeon. And he sacrificed a thousand sacrifices on the altar. Now that's a lot. I said that's a whole lot of sacrifice going on. Matter of fact, he grew so weary that he fell into a, a sleep there and God began to speak to him and talk to him and move upon him. And the Lord was moved by this and his sacrifice and said, what is it that you desire? And he said, Lord, that you would give me understanding of how to lead your people because I'm a little child and I don't know how to go out or come in. And without your help, I'm going to be a dismal failure. And I'm going to fall flat on my face. And the Lord said, because you didn't ask for riches, and you didn't ask for wealth, and you didn't ask for what would normally be the request of people that were thinking only carnally and fleshly, because you didn't ask for those things, I am going to give you blessings that you will not even be able to understand or comprehend. You're, you're, they're going to come from far and wide, amen, and receive from your wisdom and your understanding. They're going to understand that there's an anointed wisdom that is with you. I'm going to tell you, God responds and God, amen, is moved by somebody that is willing to sacrifice before him and say, Lord, I'm not just interested in, in you bringing something to me and saying, this is why you got to do this is because it's the command here, because it's the judgment. It's the ordinance of God. i got black and white scripture right here to prove to you this is what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You're missing the point, my brother or sister. You're missing the point. If you want to walk with God, amen, you got to get beyond that kind of mentality and say it's not just what i got to do. It's what can I do to get closer to him because I love him so much. I want him and desire him so much if that that's just a little stuff amen I, I i realize there's some things i gotta lay on the altar but god i want to bring to you a sacrifice where i can receive a closer walk and a near walk with you that's really what it is to walk with god i said that's really what it is to walk with god is getting beyond just 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 being one that says, I'm just wanting to do exactly what I have to do and no more. That's not the right mentality, folks. That person rarely survives. That person rarely makes it. Amen. That person falls out by the way somewhere because they always are putting a price tag on everything. Amen. When you love somebody, you don't always... When you want to really 
If you love somebody, you want to show that love for them. You don't, you don't go to the sales rack necessarily to look for your gift for them. When you really, when it's a special deal and you're wanting to, you don't go for the bargain basement. Or maybe you do. I hope you go to the bargain basement when you're buying for yourself. But when you really want to impress somebody, show them and express to them, not just impress them, but show them how much you love them. When they do finally tell you what the price is, you may have to swallow real hard. But the first thing, you, when you saw that gift, you said, that's what, they, that, that's what they want. You didn't flip it over immediately and look at the price tag. Some people, they don't look at nothing else but the price tag. They go around flipping that price tag over. I'm going to try to wait until God needs me enough that he puts this on sale. You're missing it. That's not a relationship with God. Amen. That's not a relationship with God. A relationship with God is saying, I'm willing to pay the price. I'll close with this. I was, and, and whatever your opinions are, that's beside the point. I went to Bible school and uh, in California. And... Uh, there was a young man there who was the pastor's son. At that time, I suppose his dad pastored the largest church in the Pentecostal movement. And for the longest, as I heard the story, he was just a typical young man, pastor's son, raised up in the church, really didn't appreciate his heritage that much. Somewhere along the way, something clicked. Something got a hold of him. And a desire for the things of God. And again, whatever your opinions are, doesn't matter to me. Because I know what I saw. And God began to stir him up to get closer to the Lord. And so, he started on a quest and he was just a teenager at the time, and he started fasting three days a week. And then, after a little while, he came to his father, and he said, I, I feel compelled to go on an extended fast. And I can't remember if it was 30 or 40 days that he was intending to go on this fast. But he'd already been fasting, and his health was already deteriorating. And I don't, I'm not here to judge the wisdom of this or any of that. And I'm not saying do this at all unless God is really in it. But I'm just wanting to spotlight the hunger and the desire for God here. And finally, his body just couldn't hold up. And several, I think, 20-something days into this fast, his dad had to go to him and say, son, Please, you're the only son I have, and I appreciate what you're doing, the sacrifices you've made, and I know God's going to bless it. 
certain way. He didn't know it. And I don't know if it came from, uh, it's not real clear to me whether it came from the fasting or he already had colitis. But even to this day, he struggles with that. But I remember that being a turning point in his, his life. And I remember as a young man, I was younger than he is, and uh, going there to Bible school and slipping in, they had a little chapel that's off the foyer of the old church. It was probably about half the size of this room. And I slipped in that chapel to pray often. And when I would go in there almost invariably when he was in town, I would see this young man in there walking, praying. I'd have to go and leave after a little while. I'd have to leave and go to class or take care of business. And I'd come back and he'd still be there hours later praying and seeking God. Hungering after God. And I just feel like I'm not saying anybody has to do that to walk with God to be saved, but I'm just telling you that we got to get beyond just what is the commandment? What do I have to do? And we got to get to the attitude that says, God, I, I got to draw close to you and know you. I want to know you in a special way. And I was in a service with this young man. And he is not known as a pulpiteer. He is not known as a great preacher like his father was. But uh, he was just preaching along and kind of just talking, really. And all of a sudden, there was just a power of God that swept over that congregation. And I, I, I thought to myself, what is that? that he's got a hold of. And then my mind turned. And God, I believe, revealed to me that the reason is because he was willing to make some sacrifices. That's why it's like that. That's why it's got to that depth. Amen. You can't have, with a superficial walk, a deep move of God. It just isn't going to happen. God's not going to entrust that. But when we're willing to go to the depths and we're willing to pay the price, amen, then then things can happen at a deeper level. Can you say praise the Lord? I wonder if there's anybody hungry for more of God. God, there's needs in my life that I'm just scratching the surface of. And God, I want to be willing to go deeper with you. I want to be willing to go deeper with you. I hope some way a, a hunger and a desire and a thirst for God has been stirred up in somebody's heart. A longing for more of God has been stirred up in somebody's heart here tonight. I hope as you leave tonight that it doesn't leave you what has been conveyed here in the Spirit. And we'll go a little further with it next Wednesday night, but, but I'm feeling somebody is connecting. I'm feeling like somebody is being called out of the crowd and somebody is being called out of the masses and somebody is being called out of, of just being the humdrum and, and just in the cadence of everybody else. And God is saying, hey, there's something more for you. There's something I desire to do in your life if you'll allow me to do it. Amen, amen. Let's clap our hands to him as we're dismissed tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want to deepen my walk with God. Praise God. God bless you tonight.